Well, good morning. It is so great to be here with all of you today. Welcome to everybody here in the auditorium. Welcome to everybody over in the venue and anybody watching online. Good morning. So glad you could join us today. So I want to say, if you are a guest with us today, we're so excited that you're here. I hope that you find our church to be welcoming and inviting, that people are friendly and kind to you, and that you find a place to belong with us here at eFree, that one of the guiding principles of our church is that every person matters. And so we hope that you experience that here, that you matter to God, and so we want you to matter to us. And so we hope that you experience that through the worship, through the message, through the greeting, through everything that happens here, that you would say, man, I do matter when I'm here. I do matter to these people. Um, if you are someone who is new, we'd love to connect with you. The easiest way to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can fill one of those out from the black boxes at the back. And you can put that in the black box once you've filled it out. Or you can go to carneyefree.com and click on the connection card box there, and you can fill that out. We'd love to find out if you have questions about ministries we offer here or about um, anything about the church. We'd love to follow up and just say, hello, it's good to have you here. Also, if you have a prayer request, you can put that on the connection card. And if you brought a gift to give today, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And you can put that in the black box as you leave today. If you want to give online, go to carneyefree.com give, and you can set up a one-time or a reoccurring gift there. But we're so grateful for your generosity. Thank you for helping us to build a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people, that it really does make a difference in what we can offer in the ministries we do here and what we get to do here at eFree. So thank you so much. I want to also let you know that um, we had the Feed My Starving Children meal packing event the last two days. And so if you helped out with that, thank you so much. We had four, about 450 people help through the, I think there was three or four shifts we had. And it was a, a great opportunity to serve that um, my son and I and my wife, Greg, all got to serve and we loved it. And we had 450 people from our church that served. We packed 101,088 meals which will feed 276 kids for a year. So thank you for your time. Thank you for helping to make it so that 276 kids get to have a meal this year. And then we, were, we also, um, we wanna let you know that we bless the Feed My Starving Children team, that they send a team that helps to put on these events. And they said that they were tremendously blessed by the number of people who are willing to stay and help clean up and get things put back together so they can get on the road quicker. quicker. So thank you for representing Jesus well this weekend um, where you served. So we are in Rooted and we are digging into this part two of how can I make the most of my life? We're getting into the, the nitty gritty of this. And so we were talking about spiritual gifts for a little bit this morning, which got me thinking about gifts I'd received in my own life and maybe think about when I was six or seven. So I'm six or seven, it's about Christmas time. And if you know anything about six or seven year old boys, they don't have great filters. And so when you get a gift, a lot of times if you're six or seven, you just say, this isn't what I wanted um, and things like that. And so my mom was coaching me and she, she sat me down prior to you know, this Christmas gathering we were having and said, Jordan, no matter what they give you, you need to look them in the eyes and say, thank you so much for this gift. It's like, okay, mom, yes, thank you so much for this gift, I got it. So these family friends come over and my mom does not know what they're about to do. So they come over and they bring us a gift, they put it under the tree, we do dinner, we sit down to unwrap gifts, hand them all out, we're unwrapping gifts, it gets to me, I unwrap my gift, I'm six or seven years old and I just got tidy whitey underwear. 
And so I look at them in the eyes and say, thank you so much. This is exactly what I wanted. And, you know, I wanted Hot Wheels. I wanted Legos. I, I wanted G.I. Joes. I didn't want tidy whitey underwear. Yes. Could I use more of them? Yes. Could, are they practical? Yes. But were they what I wanted? And so I, I share that with you because we're talking about spiritual gifts for a little bit this morning. And maybe you don't know what your gift is, but maybe you do know what your gift is. And you're like, there's these awesome gifts. They're like Hot Wheel Lego kind of gifts. And then there's these tidy whitey gifts, and I feel like I got a tidy whitey gift. Like, can I trade it in and get one of the awesome ones? And so let's, let's talk this morning about how we can make the most of our lives. We're going to talk about a gift. We're going to talk about a place to use that gift and then a heart to serve. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love and your goodness. I thank you that, God, you give us gifts to use. God, I pray that you, when you make us, you give us a purpose. You don't just put us on here listlessly to, to navigate through life, but instead you give us a purpose and you call us to join you on your mission. And Lord, I pray that we would see that we've been gifted to that. And I pray that you would help us to see we have a place to use those gifts. And I pray that you would instill us with hearts to serve. God, we um, love you. And God, I pray that you would help me to be a clear and concise this morning. Would you please do this in our hearts and our lives, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, if we want to make the most of our lives, we will need a gift to serve with. That if we want to make the most of our lives, we're going to need a gift to serve with. So we are going to um, spend a large chunk of our time at the end of the message in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you want to just turn to one place and be done, you can go to 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you want to start there and flip around with me, you can definitely do that. But 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 is where we're going to start. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament, so it's towards the back of your Bible. It goes Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. So if you get to Acts, Romans, go to the right, you'll find 1 Corinthians. You get to 2 Corinthians or Galatians, Ephesians, you're too far to the right, go back to the left. So 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he says to them, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So what he wants them to know is that no matter who you are, if you put your trust and faith in Jesus, you've received a gift. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So when you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes into your life and he gifts you in at least one way. I think a lot of times that we have multiple gifts that the Spirit gives, and we get those gifts to build up and encourage the church to help the church grow in maturity. But you receive a gift, and then it goes on, it says, there are different kinds of service, different kinds of ways to use those gifts. But it's the same Lord that we use the gifts for, that it's in Jesus' name, it's for his glory, his honor that we use these gifts. Then it goes on and says there are different kinds of working, different kinds of ways that God works through us as he used those gifts. But in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. And so you have the same spirit who gives the gifts to everybody and everybody who trusts and believes in Jesus gets a gift. And then it's the same Jesus that we use those gifts for. And then it's the same God who's working through us as we use those gifts to build up and equip the church. And so we all have a gift if you trusted and believed in Jesus, then you've received a gift. God has given you a gift to use for his glory and for the good of the rest of the church family and the community around us. And so if we flip over to Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, 
we'll read about some of those gifts. So it says in Romans 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so Paul begins to unpack these different gifts. And this list is not exhaustive. These are not all the spiritual gifts that someone could possibly have. But these are some of them. And he's saying, whatever your gift is, whether it's to prophesy, which is to proclaim truths about God to people, or whether it is to give encouragement or to serve or to teach or to give or to lead, he says, use those gifts. Don't let them go to waste. But instead, use them. That bless people with them. Serve the body with them. And so each of you has a gift. And again, maybe you know what your gift is, but maybe you're like, I don't know what my gift is. How, how would I figure this out? So at the church, we have a spiritual gifts assessment or survey. There's just a series of questions that you can answer that might give you an idea of where you might be gifted. And so if you're interested to take that assessment, there's two ways to do it. One way is to reach out to your rooted leader if you're in a rooted small group or a rooted community group of some sort that they have the access to that information, you reach out to them and they'll help you as you're going through that process to um, answer those questions and to get that feedback back for you, um, to you. Um, or if you're not in a rooted group, then we have a class that we offer called Discover Your Gifts. And it's an opportunity to take the test and to learn about ways that you could use those gifts inside the church. And so there's two ways that you could um, take a spiritual gifts test and find out about how you could maybe use those gifts around our church. But once you know what your gift is, you're going to need a regular place to serve. And so that's the next step, that we, if we want to make the most of our lives, we need a gift to serve with, but then we need a regular place to serve. We need a regular place to use those gifts to build up the church family, to build up the body of Christ. And then it helps us to develop our gifts. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul's writing to another church, the church in Ephesus, and he says to them, so Christ himself give the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul is uh, describing to them how God has wired the church. So he says, Jesus has given himself to the church, apostles, just like church planters, prophets, people who proclaim truths about God, evangelists, people who share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus, um, pastors who guide and shepherd people, and then teachers who teach people how to follow and trust in Jesus. And he's given those offices or church staff, if you will, he's given them to equip his people for works of service. So their role is to equip the church body or church family to know how to make disciples, to know how to share the gospel, to know how to go out into their realms, their spheres of influence, to help people come to know and believe and trust in Jesus and to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So the picture is that the church staff equips the church as a whole to be able to go out to your neighborhoods and to your workplaces, to your sports teams or to your places where you have hobbies, to be able to build relationships with people that they would be able to come and know who Jesus is. 
And that may be different than what you've viewed church in the past. And I know over the years, I've heard different people say things like, well, pastor, that's why I pay you. And so you go do it and I'll just pay you to do it. But the reality is, if the 20 members of our church staff went out into the community, we would not be nearly as effective as the 2,000 of us going out to our neighborhoods and our workplaces. That if I showed up outside of your workplace with a cross in my Bible saying, hey, people would be like, what is this guy doing? But you can build a relationship with somebody that you can talk with them over lunch and say, what's going on in your life? As they share things that are going on, you could say, hey, this is how Jesus has helped me in my life in that area. Would you like to hear more about that? Or I'd love to tell you more about that if you're interested. And so God helps us as a church staff equip all of you to go into your areas of influence to make a difference. So I want to give you an opportunity to listen to a guy in our church who has been using his gifts inside our church to help people grow to spiritual maturity and fullness in Christ. So please watch this video. My name is Blake Housden, and I joined the mission at Carney Free. Well, I started with my kids, and I kind of grew up with them in Sunday school and, and uh, all through kindergarten, junior high to high school, and I felt like it was just a really good experience for them and for me, and I wanted to stay young enough and healthy enough to do the same thing with my granddaughters. Oh boy, they're so much fun. They're, that's the reason I moved back home, is to be around my granddaughters. I want to be a part of this because I want to be a part of the journey of my granddaughter discovering Jesus. And I want to do my part in their growth because things are, in my mind, becoming more challenging. And I want my granddaughters to be prepared for the world because things are different than when I grew up. And at the same time, I get to enjoy other people's children and grandchildren. I mean, Sunday mornings come up and my, my granddaughters are just excited and inspirational. They want to go to Sunday school because they know Papa's going to be there. And they like sharing that part of their life with me. Just show up and be there. Just be a part. You don't have to be super talented or super gifted, you just need to show up. And, uh, and you'll be blessed just by being there. So just by being there and participating in the activities with them and talking about Jesus with them, that stuff sticks. Matthew 18.3 says that unless you change and become like a small child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so if you want to be, if you want your faith to grow, if you want to be happier, if you want to be younger, if you want to feel like you have a purpose, you need to come hang out with the, the kids at Next Generation because you can't not smile. You can't not smile. It's, it's a blessing to me and I just love to see their wonder and their faith and their excitement and I just, you're missing out. First I want to say is kids don't listen to what you say. 
but they pay close attention to what you do and what you prioritize. And, and sometimes you don't know what impact you're making because the impact you make may not make a difference for two or three or five or 10 or 15 or 20 years later, but it does make an impact. You do remember, even if you push back on it, you remember. So we get to use our gifts that God has given us to help people to grow and to be built up in their relationship with God, that they would reach the fullness of maturity. That's what it, it says at the, the end of that verse, is that it, it says that um, the goal is that we would reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so that's what Blake's doing. Blake's saying, I, I have this gift to work with kids and I, I want to make an impact in my granddaughter's life. And so I am showing up regularly in their classroom to help them to grow to maturity in Christ. They would reach the fullness of Christ. And so there's a whole bunch of different ways around our church that you can do that. Um, one of the ways is in our nursery. So we need more nursery help. So last week, we had to turn away families from being able to drop off their kids in the nursery. That we had so few nursery helpers that there was only so many kids we could take in. And more parents wanted to drop off than we could take in, and we had to say, hey, I'm really sorry, but we can't let you drop them off because we just don't have the right amount of help to have the right ratio of leaders to kids. And that, meant that, that then means that either they're sitting in the hallway with their toddlers or their babies, or they're bringing them in, in here or the venue, and they're sitting with them. And as a parent of a toddler, I can tell you that I do not listen nearly as well when I'm trying to wrestle my toddler and feed him Cheerios and give him books and all these different things to keep him occupied while I'm also trying to listen to the message. And so when there is plenty of nursery help and you volunteering and serving in the nursery, you are helping people grow to maturity in Christ because you're helping those parents be able to come in here or in the venue and be able to give their full attention to what God wants to say to them and be able to give their full um, heart and mind to this worship service as opposed to being a parent and um, participating in the worship service at the same time. So it's, it's not a small thing to volunteer in the nursery. It's not a small thing to help um, in all these different areas around our church that God is using you to help people to grow and be built up in, in faith. And so I, I invite you, if you're someone who's looking for more opportunities or a opportunity to get involved, on the back of your handout, we have um, a number of places here that maybe you could use your gift. You can scan the QR code and you do that by opening the camera app on your phone and you hold it over the QR code and it'll bring up a link for you to click on. But say, hey, I wanna help in the nursery, that I, I love babies, I love toddlers, and I love to help other people grow by being freed up to, to hear the message easier. Or I, I'd love to help with greeting or ushering or wherever it might be that God is using you to help people get connected. And so we're looking for places where we can use our gift on a regular basis. And as we use those gifts, it, it helps us to grow those gifts and to refine those gifts. And also helps other people around us to grow and be built up in faith. And then finally, we look for, we want a heart that looks for opportunities to serve. A heart that looks for opportunities to serve. So we, we need a gift to serve with. We need a regular place to serve. And then we need a heart that looks for opportunities to serve. And so we're, would you re-engage with me if, you, if I've lost you at some point? Because this, what I'm about to talk about for the next 10, 15 minutes is going to be the most difficult part of the message. 
And part of it is because I, I want to introduce to you that I think is a new framework to think about the world. It was at least new for me when I heard it for the first time. And then um, also, the temptation, I think, is for you to say, oh, I know what he's going to say. He's opportunities to serve. You just go out, you look for anybody that needs help, and you help them. Um, but I, I want to, to share something with you that I think is going to be new for you. And so I, I have this image that uh, two guys named Steve Corbett and Brian Feichert have developed. And so in this image, it's on your handout as well. And so these are the four primary relationships that are in a person's life. So when it, if you make up a human being, they have four primary relationships. The first one is their relationship with God. The second is their relationship with self. How do they view themselves? And I don't talk about, I'm not meaning self-esteem. I mean, do they see themselves rightly for the way that God created them to be? Or do they have a twisted view of who they are? And then their relationship with other people around them. And then their relationship with creation around them. And so when you view yourself rightly and you view God rightly, you have a relationship with him, your relationship with others, then you are living in shalom or you have like this peace with how God created you to be as a human. But if you do not have these things, if one of these are broken, then there's brokenness that exists in your life. And so this is what when we go out into the world looking for opportunities, we're going to look for these places where we can bring the gospel to these four relationships. So it's not just like, do we find someone that like, has an immediate need that we need to meet? But instead, it's going underneath that to say, where is the brokenness in that relationship that's causing this surface issue, if that makes sense? So um, let me read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, and that will hopefully give us an idea of what we're after here. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So he's talking to the Corinthians who are now Christ followers. And he's saying that before you were a Christ follower, you saw everybody in the world from a worldly point of view. That that was the lens that you saw them in the world. He says, but then when you came to trust and believe in Jesus and you surrender your life to him, then there is now this new view that you see the world through. It's the way that God sees the world. So he says, now we don't see anybody any longer from a worldly point of view. We see them from God's point of view. So there's a lot of ways that that, that could be applied. The way that I want to apply it this morning is um, value and worth. So when you think about how does God see people through the, the image of value and worth, he says every single person matters because they are made in God's image and they are image bearers that he, he made them with his image intact in them so that they reflect his image to the world around them so they have value and worth, intrinsic value and worth. So they don't have to go do something in order to gain value and worth. They intrinsically have it from birth because God has created them in his image. That, that's God's perspective. But that's oftentimes not the economy of the world. The economy of the world is so much what you do reflects how valuable or worthy that you are. And so if you have a prestigious job, a high-paying job, an important job, then you're important. If you have a low-prestige job or a low-paying job or a non-important job, then you're not important. And so Paul is saying, we don't see people anymore through that worldly lens. We see them through how God sees them. Then he goes on in verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So now Paul says, here's what I want you to do, Corinthians. That because now you have this new lens, I want you to go out into the world and be agents of reconciliation. That God has made you ambassadors to go out into the world and carry this message of reconciliation to all these different people who have brokenness in these four areas of their life. Because primarily when we read this verse, we think about that first relationship between God and humans, or God and that, that person. And that's definitely the first relationship that probably needs to be restored because all the other relationships flow from that perspective of who God is. And so we go out and we get to be agents of reconciliation who take the gospel to our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members and people that are in our realms of influence who don't know Jesus. Because we're going like, you don't see yourself, you don't see people around you, you don't see the world around you the way that God has designed it to be because you don't have this relationship with God. And so we go out to bring restoration to these places. And then we begin to listen for what else is going on in their life that we can bring restoration to these other areas where there's brokenness. So when we have this perspective, I think that it helps us get past surface issues underneath those to what's really going on in their life, to the causes of the, the surface issues. So if you think about a broken bone, that I've heard a number of stories of people who they broke a bone but didn't realize they broke it. Like they fell over and they broke their arm or they broke their leg and it was a hairline fracture or something and so they thought it was a bone, a bone bruise. And so they go, man, this hurts, but I'm just gonna take some Tylenol and it'll get better. And then it didn't. And so they go into the, the doctor and they get an x-ray and find out, oh, I have a broken bone. We either need to reset that or we have to cast it or we have to put you in a boot. Like there's deeper things we have to do to, de to treat the actual problem. So far too often, what we do is we go out and we deal with, with surface issues. We go, oh, you have some pain, here's some Tylenol, which is good, but it doesn't deal with the actual problems in people's lives. It just gives them some Tylenol for a broken bone and it doesn't deal with it. And what I love about this, this image and this um, framework is that it helps us to get underneath to what's really going on in their life. So instead of us just dealing with surface things and handing Tylenol out for broken bones, we get to be able to get into their life to where the bone is broken and we get to set it. And we get to help people find restoration and peace. So on day number three, if you're doing the rooted devotional with us, on day number three this week in the devotional, it was about addressing poverty. But it wasn't financial poverty, it was uh, this poverty of um, the entirety of life. And so this is what they say. He said, poverty is fundamentally the absence of shalom. Shalom is all about relationships. Therefore, poverty is fundamentally about the broken relationships with God, with self, with others, with creation, and not fundamentally about the lack of something. So that's Steve Corbett and Brian Feichert again, and they developed a book called When Helping Hurts. And it's about how do you help someone without doing them more harm? How do you help them without demoralizing them or making them feel like they, they aren't worthy to do this on their own? And so their, their definition for poverty, 
I believe, is that poverty is the brokenness of right relationship with God, with self, with others, and with the rest of creation. And then, so this is, this is what's been so difficult for me. When this was introduced to me, because my framework for poverty was financial or material poverty. It was they don't have enough money, they don't have enough food, they don't have enough water, they don't have enough shelter. And what Steve and Brian are saying is those are surface issues that come from deeper places of brokenness that need to be addressed. That if we meet those surface issues and we don't get down to these underneath issues, we're never really going to address the deeper problems people have and then help them to grow to be actually restored. That yes, there might have some needs met, but they're never going to get restoration, which is what we really want for people. We don't just want them to have food on their shelves, though we do want them to have food on their shelves, but more than that, we want them to be restored. We want them to have restoration in all of their life. Like this is what we want for ourselves. The other thing that's been helpful for me about this vision for poverty or this, ver- this view of poverty is that it levels the playing field. Because when you say poverty is brokenness in your relationship with God or with your relationship with yourself or your relationship with others or your relationship with people around you, all of us say, well, I have some poverty in my life then. Like I'm not seeing God for, whole, for holy who he is at times. Or I have a, a failed view of who I am that I... There are times I don't see myself as an image bearer that has value and worth because of who God is and what he's done for me. And I begin to try and build my identity or my value, my worth on what I do or what other people say about me or some other thing that that people would say, build your identity on this. And so all of us would be able to say that, yes, I have some poverty in my life, but yes, I also have places that I can help somebody else. And so it makes all of us into people who can give and people who can receive. We're people who can give hope because there's places in our lives that we, we are growing and we um, have wholeness or we at least have more wholeness. And then there are other places where we're further behind and we need God to help us grow through community. And so this is so helpful because otherwise, if it's just about I have this and you don't have this, then it's like I become the fixer. I'm just gonna show up in your life and I'm gonna fix it. Or I'm the rescuer and you're the one that needs rescued. Or I have my life together and you don't have your life together. And so then we get these feelings of superiority or God complexes of like, I'm the savior. And and people already have a savior. They have Jesus. But what they need is they need people to come and apply Jesus in their life. And so we get to show up and we get to say, let me me share the gospel with you. And, And we get to say, this is how God has used us in my life. This is how I was seeing myself through what I was doing, and it was empty. Because there were days that I, I met that goal and I felt like I was awesome, and there was days I didn't mean it, I felt like I was garbage. And if I was honest with you, there was more days I didn't mean it than days that I did. But then I began to see myself through who God says that I am, and I got this steadiness to my value and my worth, this steadiness to my image of myself, and that's what you long for. Like, I gotta do that with students all the time. Because all the time they're trying to build their identities and images from, from sports or from what kids at school say or from grades or from whatever it is. And the reality is I think that and all of us is still that same person. We've just traded it for grades, for raises, or for what does my boss think about me? Or what is my, do, do my neighbors think that my house is better than their house? Or whatever it is. And so what we get to do is we get to say, God, would you give me a heart that looks for opportunities? Not to just meet surface level stuff, but to be able to be part of someone's life 
where I would get to know their story, that I build a relationship with them. I get to know their story and be able to say, here's where God has helped me in this area and I think he could help you too. And you get to share with them what God has done for you. So let me give you some everyday examples that how we could do this. So we could do this with our neighbors. So leaves are falling right now, and so maybe you have a neighbor that they haven't raked any of their leaves, and they have this massive yard full of leaves, and some of the other neighbors are like coming to you and going like, when are they gonna take care of their yard? Do they not know that our entire yard, our entire block looks terrible because of these people? And, and what if you said, you know what? I'm gonna go and I'm gonna rake up their leaves. Like, we're gonna take care of this for them. And that's meeting a surface level need, but what if I'm gonna go beyond that? And I'm gonna knock on their door and just say, hey, I'd love to have coffee with you sometime. Would you ever wanna come over and sit on the porch and drink coffee with me or tea? Or would you ever, you know, come inside and, and just tell me your story? Like, we, we don't know much about each other. I'd, I'd love to know more and more at your story. And in the course of that, maybe you'll find out that they have an aging parent who's in the hospital that's been dying for the past month. And the reason they haven't taken care of their, their leaves is that they've been spending all their time at the hospital. Or, or maybe if you find out they're a single parent who's working three jobs to pay for that house and they're just never there other than to sleep for a few hours at a night. And you go, man, like this is a lot. Like you could use some help. And you begin to help them. You begin to, to just share the gospel in their life through words and deeds. Or maybe it's not a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. That maybe you have a cranky coworker, or you have an odd coworker, or maybe it's you're in school and you have a classmate that's a little strange, and you know that they're that way because there's this invisible bubble around them wherever they go. That unless people are forced to be in the same room with them at a meeting or in class or something, then people give them a wide berth. When they're walking through the cubicles, people keep their heads down. When they're going into the lunchroom, people like give them plenty of space. And what if instead of dodging out of the way, you walked towards them and you walked into that bubble and you said, hey, can I have lunch with you today? I'd, I'd just like to know more of your story. We've worked here for a long time together or we've gotten to class for a long time together or we've done this or that. I, I'd love to know more of your story. And maybe as you hear your, their story, you begin to understand why they're so cranky or why they're a little strange or why they're a little odd. And you begin to say, God, would you help me to bring restoration into one of these four areas that you begin to, to sense by God's spirit that they don't have a good view of themselves or they don't have a good relationship with the people around them because no one's ever helped them understand how to forgive or how to give and take in a relationship. And so you just say, God, would you help me to just say, hey, you know, can I make some suggestions? Because you know, I, I've dealt with something similar like this in my family and this is what worked for me. Or maybe it's evangelism. Like when it comes to that relationship with God, we all know somebody in our world who that's broken, that they don't know who God is, they're far from him, or their view of God is far from who God truly is. And so as Pastor Adrian said maybe a few times before, you could say, can you tell me about the God you don't believe in? Because I probably don't believe in that God either. And, and you begin to tell them about who God is. Share with them a couple of these moments from what you've learned about in church, where you get this bigger picture of God's character and God's love and God's goodness and his compassion. And you say, you know, I'd love for you to come and see that kind of God with me at my church if you ever wanna come. This is the service I go to. 
If you let me know you're coming, I'd love to, to save you a seat. But we go out and we look for places where we can serve and not just, not just the surface level. It's, it's good to meet needs, but we wanna go beyond meeting needs to get to the source of the problem where we can be agents of restoration. Because no longer do we see people in the world the way the rest of the world sees them, we see them the way God sees them. And so we look for these four areas in their life and say, God, is there one of these four areas that you wanna use me to help them to grow? to help them to find peace and that restoration in that area. So if we wanna make the most of our lives, we're gonna need a gift to use, a gift to serve with. We're gonna need a, a regular place to use that gift. And then we're gonna need a heart that looks for opportunities to serve. So uh, as we go out this week, I invite you, would you go out with me and let's be ambassadors for Christ. Let's be ambassadors for restoration as we interact with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with our classmates. Let's say, God, would you help me to see what's going on in their life that I wouldn't just deal with a surface issue. I wouldn't just, I just wouldn't say, would you just grow up? But instead I would say, would you help me to see, God, what's causing them to not grow in that area? Would you help me to be an agent of reconciliation, of restoration in that area? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you were good to us. God, would you please help us as we do this, God, this is hard work. And this is costly work. And if we're honest, God, our, our first reaction might be to just say, I don't want to do this. But God, would you help us to see that you were willing to do this for us? God, we were once far away and we were completely lost and completely broken. But there was no part of our lives that were fixed. We were in utter poverty. And you entered in with your riches to bless us with your presence to show us who you are, that that relationship would be healed and that we could see ourselves rightly for who you have created us to be and who you love and delight in. And then you've guided us and directed us to how to live with one another, how to love and to forgive and to serve one another. And God, you've explained to us how the creation around us is supposed to be and how we should live in that creation and how we should react to it and relate to it. And God, so many of the times, God, we're going against the grain of creation. But God, you came to show us the way. And so God, would you help us to be overwhelmed in our hearts, not with the burden that's outside, but the burden you took on for us and the willingness you had to rescue and to redeem us. And would you help us, Lord, to not go out to rescue and redeem others, but instead to be ambassadors, to be messengers, who let them know that there is a Savior who wants to rescue and redeem them. There is a Savior who wants to show them the way. And would you help give us words, God? Would you help give us the courage? Would you help give us the desire to go out into your world and to share this with the people you put around us, God? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.